0: If you hung one of these up at the market stall, people would walk on straight past it and no one would think anything of it. It's all about having something that is incredibly high quality that no one could ever possibly tell. But for the person who owns everything else already, that is the next niche, that's the peak. We're talking about the 80-20 rule here. This is the 101 rule. This is everything and more in the most simple form possible. So it's, it's its very own niche upon a niche upon a niche and I can see why that doesn't appeal to everyone.
1: On this week's A Blog To Watch Weekly, we welcome back Andrew from Watchfinder. We take an ultra deep dive into the world of the smartwatch, looking at, amongst others, the new offerings from Apple, and debating if it really is a watch, and if watch geeks should own and wear one. Oh, and we have some, er, poetry. Enjoy the show.
2: Greetings, and welcome to this week's A Blog To Watch Weekly. But the question will be, is it really going to stay A Blog To Watch? Because the big question this week is is the apple watch really a watch and we have a star guest who knows all about watches i'm not sure whether he's ever actually no i do know he has reviewed an apple watch but he's had to do it on his own channel i don't know if they've let him do it on the big boy channel and that is andrew from watchfinder how are you andrew i'm very well thank you how are you doing bad not
0: bad have they let you review the apple watch
2: on the big boy channel
0: I think we're definitely going to have a discussion about
2: it. Good, good. And David and Ariel, how are you both?
3: Good. Just a few days away from going to Switzerland for a watch launch for the new Norcane watch. And then I'm back for a few days and then got to go to Miami to speak at a conference. Then I'm back for a few days and I have to go back to Switzerland. Then I'm back for a few days and I got to go to Italy. So it's going to be a bit nuts for the rest of the year.
2: Yeah, Switzerland, Los Angeles. Switzerland, Italy, it's its its hard. Miami,
3: and Miami. Miami, yeah.
2: it's hard. It's, it's tough it's, out there. It
3: is. You got to pace yourself as a watch reviewer. You can't use all your energy at the beginning of it. You know, you got to pace yourself out a little bit, because by the end, you just might not care about what... I've seen watch burnout. I've seen journalists where they've gone through too much, like at the end of Basel, and they say things like, can't look at another watch it is very real that that can happen
2: i'm not sure it's quite made the psychological dictionary in america as a justifiable condition watch burnout but we can try we can certainly try david how's you
4: good my watch burnout levels are really low at the moment so i'm ready for anything
2: (laughs) you you want to be burned yeah i'm sure that uh, self-burning probably is in some psychological textbook somewhere but we'll leave it at that Big news this week, which we're going to cover. We're going to try and tackle. We're going to try and answer the age old question. Is the Apple Watch a watch? So David, you were the one that said, yeah, let's get this question out there. So let's take an initial poll. David, is the Apple Watch a
0: watch? Yes,
2: it is. I think it is.
0: Andrew, is the Apple Watch a watch? Well, I just looked at the the definition for watch and I got look at or observe attentively over a period of time. So that's the wrong definition. But the right (laughs) one that we're talking about is a small timepiece worn typically on a strap on one's wrist. So, does it tell the time? Do you strap it to your wrist? Yes, it is a wristwatch.
2: Now, this is going to be a bit dull if somebody doesn't say, no, it's not a watch, but I think we (laughs) might be going there. Ariel, is the Apple Watch a watch?
3: It is a watch, but look, we have to go back to when the... When the Apple Watch first came out, no,
2: no, 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 no. We we don't have to go back just yet. We just need the answer. (laughs) Our straightforward answer is the Apple Watch. I mean, it
3: has "watch" in the name, right? Like (laughs) it's literally called that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I'd have to say yes. And
2: I kind of agree with you as well. Now, so so the second question, the follow-up from this is, do you wear one? So I do, and I wear one more often than I wear a mechanical watch. David, do you wear a smartwatch or an Apple Watch? And if so, how often?
4: I wear it for workouts, mainly. So I go there like three times a week and I wear it for
0: all of those occasions, yeah.
2: Good stuff. Andrew, you strike me as a fit chap. Do you wear an Apple Watch
0: for working out? Well, since an Apple Watch is indeed for wellness and fitness and I am neither well nor fit, no, no, I, I don't wear an Apple Watch. I've been tempted a few times, but it's
3: never been enough to actually make me buy one.
2: Okay,
0: and
3: Ariel? I have gone many periods where I've worn an Apple Watch exclusively for like weeks straight. I've gone long periods of time without wearing it. It can be quite addictive once you wear it. Like to take it off is is hard to do. Like sometimes I'll take it off because I have something else to review and then you sort of it wears off. But like while you're wearing it, like it wants you to keep it on all the time for a variety of things to complete your daily goals. There's all these little tricks involved with it. So it's a it's a very sticky kind of device. But I found a lot of value in it. It's fun. But I like, I like a lot smart of smartwatches for me the apple watch isn't you know it's one of many in an ecosystem but it's a very good one
2: yeah so we'll talk about some of the other watches in the ecosystem i should add because i did answer that it was a watch that actually the main reason i wear it is not for telling the time it has a little health app on it that monitors my blood sugar and as a type 1 diabetic that's why i wear it i if i didn't have to wear it then i wouldn't so that answers the question as to what we've all got for them we're going to listen to a bit of an audio from somebody else called richard Uh, this chap sent on email and then we got him to voice record it and it's 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 moved from being a little email to to feeling like a little bit like watch poetry Hmm. so we'll play that now and uh, this is about keeping your enemies close no keeping your friends close but your enemies closer have a listen to this
1: I have a Rolex and a Cartier and a Patek, but I wear my garment. Why do I prefer my smartwatch? It gives me more information than the time. Information I can use. Time uses me. I don't need the time. It doesn't tell me anything I want to know. Give me my position in space, GPS, tell me the tide tables, the wind speed, my velocity and my acceleration. I want the three dimensions where I captain my ship. Don't tell me the fourth time. Where I was born drifting without power or steering on this one-way river of time, pulled inevitably forward and over that precipice marked by maps's end of the world. The time shows only how much was lost, and how much less remains. It's generally true that only in the worst moments of life will you look to your watch for good news. Even at the most joyful moment of birth, when your first two glances are given to the face of your baby, your third glance is stolen away to the face of your watch. You call time. You call it out loud in the delivery room, claiming that day, hour, minute, and second, owning it, marking it for your child. You then pray to never learn Kronos' inevitable reply to your birth announcement. That hour and minute that will be written on your child's death certificate. Time is our greatest enemy. Kronos is the ultimate villain. The scope of his creeping theft from humanity defies fathom. Eventually, Kronos will rob you too of everything and everyone you love. In our species, most grave and consequential legal governance, criminal law, there is no more perfect justice a victim could wish for than to undo, to subvert time, to erase a consequence, an effect, before it was caused. We weaponize time against prisoners because time does not heal. It only destroys, even turning the finest wines into vinegar, numbing and fading our memories and our happiness and grief and pain. All of our greatest wounds were cast in the incessance and irreversibility of time. So. Why shall we hang our greatest tormentor on our wrist? Keep your friends close, but your enemies close.
2: Okay, so I already feel that this show has gone far too deep, having listened to that and the expertise with which that was read. What did we think? Do we think fundamentally the Apple Watch and... Things like the smartwatch, we're going to speak about the tag, we're going to speak about the Louis Vuitton, we're going to speak about G-Shocks. Do we think that fundamentally, because they give us more information, that's why they're so good? They're so addictive as you suggest, Ariel?
3: Well, they definitely do a lot more than the traditional watch. The number one weakness of the traditional watch industry is that for like literally generations, they refuse to come up with new complications. Most watch enthusiasts take it for granted, but it's kind of weird that watches just sort of cycle through like the same complications over and over and over again. And it's relatively rare to have a new complication. Maybe a little bit less rare is a variation on how to display an otherwise traditional complication. Smartwatches is introduced Something that consumers for a long time just hadn't been accustomed to, which is new types of data and how to use it. And the people that made smartwatches also struggled with how to display that information, the screens and things like that. But what I have found is that, yes, people are seeing this, the value of this level of data, or at least take interest in it and it is a major driving factor why people keep the watches on smart watches that is
2: andrew you posted your own video earlier this week did you come to the conclusion at the end of that video that you expected at the beginning
0: well after listening to that poem i'm feeling a little bit miserable now and i don't know if i want to talk about watches (laughs) i just want to go and
2: sit in the corner and cry (laughs) just recognize the the pointlessness of life yeah
0: <laughs> but really, I, I, I think for me, it's, it's a question of not is it a watch, it's is it a luxury product that you enjoy? I, I actually feel like the smartwatch is more akin to what a wristwatch used to be before it was a luxury purchase. It's a device that you buy to fulfill a practical need. There are a lot of different... In in a, in a modern era of connectivity, of high information consumption, fast news, health and moving around and all that kind of stuff, a smartwatch fulfills all of those needs, all of those practical needs very, very well. It just so happens that I'm neither fit nor connected nor on top of the news or anything like that so it hasn't really ticked any boxes for me personally. But that's why I see people enjoying them and wearing them because it means they have a a convenient and easy method with which to gather up all of the things that are being thrown at them all day and consolidate them in, a, in an easy to use package. And that is specifically why I think the Apple Watch has outperformed its competitors because Apple is very, very, very good at consolidating information in an easy-to-consume way.
3: I, I have a question, uh, and and this is for everyone here, especially you, Andrew. Why is this becoming a conversation right now? And the reason I ask is that I, I talked about most of these topics when the Apple Watch first came out, even before the Apple Watch came out. I've been talking about smartwatches in a serious way I think before any of my other colleagues in the traditional watch space have. So for me this is very good conversation I'm interested in it, but it's it's not salient in the sense that it's like it's old news already. Like, I've already thought about this. So my question is, why is it there's people are suddenly starting to talk about this now? What is it that Apple did on its eighth generation that finally made, like, watch enthusiasts perk up and be like, oh, there's these things I should pay attention to? Like, what happened?
0: Well, I think the answer to that is the Apple Watch Ultra. Okay. Okay. So I, I don't know how familiar everyone is with that, but this is the first Apple watch that's actually got me thinking, hello, I'm interested in this. So they're, they're pitching it as an explorer's watch as, a, as opposed to sort of the urban explorer. This is the actual explorer, someone who does the Iron Man or goes wandering around in a jungle for a day or doing a bit of diving.
3: So you're saying they've added an aspirational element that above and beyond the practical element sort of feeds into our... Imaginations in the same way that sort of like a thousand meter dive watch might. Like, we're not ever diving that deep, but we love the idea that we might be able to.
0: Well, I, th- I think it goes even further than that. Where where wristwatch manufacturers have been competing to get ever deeper water resistance on their watches in a, <laughs> in a completely unusable way, Apple have taken a, a watch and an audience who are used to using it for their daily routine and said, hey, if you go diving to 100 meters and you want to use a dive computer, if you go out on walks and you want to monitor your route so you can track it back or have better gps positioning they've created a practical device again where the luxury watch manufacturers produce something that is aspirational and has this like oh wow look at this all this power i could use if i were ever to use it i see the apple watch ultra as actually being pitched at people who might genuinely use it and one of the big things that i see people throwing at the apple watch ultra is they say oh it's only got three days battery life because i think what they think is that proper genuine peak explorers who are exploring the vast unknowns of the world are going to use it. But I actually genuinely think that the Apple Watch Ultra could be a great watch for kind of normies like us who go, do you know what, I'm going to book a week in Egypt and I'm going to have two days in the sea and I'm going to do a little bit of a scuba diving startup course. And do you know what? That watch is going to be perfect for me because I can measure all the fun things and look back at my journey after I've completed it. And, and it gives me another dimension to that journey overall. So it's for me, like I said, the Apple Watch, the original Apple Watch brings a practical use to people. I think this is the first time in a very long time that we've seen the the ability to take a watch underwater or bash it around and measure different exploration type journey things. This is the first time we've seen it put to a practical use that will genuinely be used by people for a very, very long time. And that's that's where the conversation is going
3: And it really has to do with Apple's packaging, because I think what I'm thinking here is that companies like Apple curate really well, design really well, but Garmin amongst other companies have had similar, if not identical functionality, going underwater Venturing things like that in smartwatches for quite a while. Were they just too niche and nerdy about it? I would guess so. I would guess so. I think
0: that a a product like a Garmin is aimed at the genuine explorer who goes exploring as their job. Someone who can be bothered to read the complicated manual and figure out which combination of buttons you have to press to make it do the things it needs to do. Whereas the Apple Watch Ultra is like, it's a prosumer device, sits in between just your basic Apple Watch and a full-on Pro device. And I know that if I were to purchase an Apple Watch Ultra and I put it on my wrist, I, I know that I would be able to use the dive Watch computer the Dive computer and and all of those other functions without actually having to read a manual or be an expert. I just know it's going to, as the old cliche is for Apple, it's just going to work. Their whole experience with packaging and the user experience, the user interface are, to me, second to none. And, And I think that's why, although a lot of these pro products already exist, Apple's ultra prosumer device is going to bring that functionality to a new audience that will be excited to use it. Have you
2: just invented a new word, prosumer?
0: No, no, no.
3: That that is an existing. No, yeah. it's not new. Is this a no. thing? You must have never bought like camcorders thirty <laughs> years ago, dude. <laughs> oh, okay, no,
2: I had never bought camcorders thirty years ago. I, I am pleased that they called it the Ultra and not the Pro, so they didn't like just do the do the watch. They got to
3: keep you on your toes just a little <laughs> bit, right? Just a little bit.
2: I, I do wonder whether this is a bit like mobile phones with better cameras yeah you buy it because it's got a better camera than the last one you take lots of photographs but just like the last one you never look at any of the photographs you take it's like people that go to concerts and film the concert rather than actually watching the concert they never sit down and go back through the 25 minutes of video that they filmed of the concert, they'd have been better just watching it, so I do wonder whether this, as you rightly say, Ariel has introduced an aspirational part, the I want to be an adventure, look at me I'm a... it does what luxury goods are supposed to do, which is tell a really easy story to everybody that sees them about the person. So somebody that sees you with the Apple Watch Ultra thinks, yeah. That guy, that girl, they're an adventurer. Just in the same way as if you're wearing a Rolex GMT that's easily spotable as a luxury watch. The the, the easy luxury story is, yeah, that person's made it because they can afford something expensive,
3: I think Andrew actually hit on an interesting point here, and he distinguished the Apple Watch Ultra from some of the, you know, Garmin's or the other outdoors watches and things like that. Casio's had a few of them. And he said that, like, now I can do this as well, where something about the Apple packaging of that experience makes him feel that he can use this tool to do other things he might have been Intimidated, and it was. It's about access. It's about now these things are open up to me, even if a little bit more, even if it's just mental. But I feel like I could take this tool to do those things, and with this tool, I could do it a little bit better or more easily or safer than without it. And it's something about sort of like bringing the regular person into these environments that do require, you know, reading the instruction.
2: To what extent do you think that Apple looked at the Swiss watch industry? In the design of the Ultra, did they take any cues? I, I do wonder whether this activity button, this like programmable single button that you can program to do anything, is is the Apple Watch equivalent of the helium escapement valve? I don't know it's got crown guards. I think that's a stretch. <laughs> are they
3: being? <laughs> are they
2: being influenced I, I can at all, answer that. or I are can they still just plowing? Yeah, go on then.
3: Before the original Apple Watch ever came out, Apple was sending emissaries to Basel World. It had hired some people from watch brands. It was very much influenced by the traditional watch industry. From the, I mean, look at the dials they make today. the The new dials that come out are inspired by a lot of classic watches. You know, Patek Philippe, Rolex. You know, they had that thing with Mondaine, but that was actually before the Apple Watch with the iPhone. Apple is populated by a lot of people that love watches and are in, are inspired by it. So the short answer is yes, and they've done it since the very first Apple Watch. They like starting with that. They like starting sort of where the Swiss watch industry stopped. And Apple sort of wants to to pick it up and take it from there. But they're very much respectful and and at least very interested in that tradition. So I would say very heartily, yes, they are.
2: Now, a number of people kind of lost their minds at the first Apple Watch thinking that this was a new quartz crisis. It turned out to be completely... Not the case. There's probably evidence to suggest that the uptake of people wearing Apple watches has been linked in some way, shape, or form to an increase in interest in normal watches as people just get used to wearing things on their wrist again. My question is, does the introduction of the Ultra more likely to have an impact on Swiss watch sales because it's seen as being more of an aspirational, more of an all-rounded product? It is a hundred meter water resistant you can do anything with it. Is it more of a threat?
4: Well, when was the last time you used the 100 meter water resistance of your of your luxury watch? Just because it can do that, I don't think that there's an overlap in, in where you would wear an Apple Watch Ultra and your luxury Brightling or whatever.
2: I mean, I do take this question because I, I wear an Apple Watch and it's 50 meters and I wear it doing absolutely anything, not concerned about 50 meters. If I was to put a Speedmaster on that was 50 meters, I would be babying it in an entirely different way Despite the same rating. I don't know what that mm. says.
0: Does anybody know what that says? <laughs> <laughs> it says you don't want to waste £5,000 worth of Speedmaster. <laughs> yeah
2: so it's a value thing it is a uh, yeah I don't mind if it turns out this doesn't work and I break it then it's 600 quid
4: I don't think it's just that I think it's also a lack of trust that you don't trust the 50 meter rating on that and when you I've been just you know browsing some Instagram posts by Apple and saw them say that yeah you know like there were a lot of questions asking is this swim proof and they would go and actually reply and say yes you can actually swim in this right so people care about that and they have to go there I'm not sure if you went to the Omega Instagram and And you said like hey can i can i swim in this they would actually you would actually get
2: a reply that's a very interesting point if you if you actually ask them can i can i dive to if it says it's 50 meter water resistant i'm going on a diving holiday to 49 meters is this good to go Hmm. apple would probably say yes or 100 meters i don't think as you say you get an answer off of omega (laughs) suggesting that 49 meters was was fine but who knows maybe somebody should try it somebody in the audience try it let us know how you get on yeah i'm planning a trip to the moon can i take my moon watch with me <laughs> <laughs> see one day that's going to be possible one day that's going to be possible yeah. about the watch itself i think the thing that has really got everybody going is the ultra i'm not sure i quite understand why that it's suddenly because of this ultra i mean maybe we're just all falling for the gimmicks and the gadgets and the marketing. I don't know why we're suddenly so much more interested in as watch geeks than we were just for the release of the version eight of this. But we are. I I'm certainly going to go and try one on. I've got. I think I've got a Gen six possibly. So I'll certainly go and try
0: this on. Is
3: anybody tempted? I mean, I will be. There'll be a whole review on it soon.
0: The Ultra is the first Apple Watch that I'm actually tempted. To, to go and do something with. And I think it's, it's purely because generally when I go on holiday or I spend my weekend somewhere, I usually just go... I'm not one of these people that can sit on a beach and just stare at the sky for five hours. I have to go stamping around and looking at things and exploring and stuff like that. It's just... It's the
2: colonialist in you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, that, that's mine. That's mine. I'll have <laughs> that too. And And I can see a little bit like when the Apple Watch first came out, I remember people saying, yeah, but what's the point? All these features, but are they just a gimmick? And actually, what we're seeing is a lot of people genuinely relying on them. I mean, it sounds it sounds like Rick, you're, you're you're putting your life in the hands of your watch, which I'm not sure I would.
2: <laughs> I'm basically kept alive by it, but I mean that's the reality. It does. I mean, it's not quite LinkedIn, but it's later this year there will be insulin pumps that you can link to your Apple Watch that will monitor your blood. And then if your blood sugar goes in a certain direction, it will introduce more insulin to you. So I suppose in theory, if somebody hacks the watch and changes it, they could give you an overdose of insulin. And as we all know, that's the easiest way to kill someone without leaving a trace. So for all of those uh, true crime <laughs> fans out there, an overdose of insulin between the big toe is
0: where to go. I, you didn't hear that here. I didn't give that as
2: thanks, advice.
3: Thanks for that <laughs> advice. <Jeez>. This all <laughs>
0: sounds very dystopian. Maybe in the future, an, an Apple Watch will be connected to your dopamine centers. And when you watch an advert for more Apple products, you will uh, receive a dopamine hit.
2: I think you'll find that for many people that already exists. <laughs> yeah, I know several people who every time you see a new Apple product, it clearly has an impact <laughs> on their dopamine <laughs> center. Oh this was the apple watch we have reviewed also actually yourself you reviewed at ariel the tag hoyer connected and i think you also did a review uh, maybe a month ago of the louis vuitton smartwatch where do you sit uh, between all of these devices is there are they are they fundamentally different things?
3: They're all very very different. You know, it would just be like a computer with different operating systems. They're both called computers, but they do different things and they're meant for different people. I have been reviewing smartwatches as as early as I could it's for more than a decade now. So you know, none of this surprised me because I've already known where everything is going, and it's it's quite a mature territory right now. Apple is a very very good smartwatch, there's sort of two areas where I say it's weak. It's pretty good in everywhere else. Two areas it's weak. It's one, if you don't have an iPhone, well, then, you know, there's that. So, there's this whole group of people that don't have iPhones, and, and for them, the you know, the Apple Watch is more or less not on the table. There's no point.
2: Yeah. In order to get the benefit of the Apple Watch for blood sugar, I had to move from samsung to apple it was it was a tough day right right and so i i just day. have
3: both phones actually i have a i've always had an <laughs> a, a, you know an iphone and, a, and an android based phone so that's that's, that's my solution. solution to it it also makes it so that i can wear android based ones and other ones pretty easily mm-hmm. um the other weakness is what i would say is on the on the personality side and i think that in this conversation, we've alluded to the fact that the ultra adds more personality. It's got more stuff going on. It's got more of a visual design. The look of the Apple Watch is so clean, that sort of is its problem. It, it's it's almost not there. It's like when you see like a Fitbit or something on people. Like you see that they're wearing something, but it it doesn't give them any extra personality. It doesn't have any sort of design language. It's just trying to be as smooth and, and surfaceless as possible, right? It's just a kind of all blends together and all the personality came in the strap, basically. And so I would say that if you wanted that sense that your watch is saying something about you, that wonderful you know, sensation you get with most traditional watches, the Apple Watch simply could not do that. Now, because there's more visually going on, Arguably, that's changing a little bit, right? So smartwatches in general tend to suffer from that. But, you know, the the Tag Heuer connected, huge amounts of personality compared to an Apple Watch. Different software experience, of course, but Tag Heuer has some of the best personality. The Louis Vuitton one, it's like all personality. It's actually quite limited as a smartwatch. It's fine, but it's, it's not the robust experience with lots of software and things like that that you'd see maybe on an Android or an Apple Watch. So a lot of them are going to be great for novices that don't want to do too much. It's it's difficult to get that right mixture of, you know, not having to read the instructions too carefully and just picking it up outside the box and being able to use it. I wouldn't say there's a there's a strong winner right now, but for many people, especially if you have an Apple an iPhone, the Apple Watch is going to be that winner.
2: You know, are these competitive products to each other or is it a very different sort of sale? It just so happens that it's a a computerized watch.
3: It's a good question, and I'll go back to you know something about Garmin. Now we were talking about Garmin; how it's really complicated and read the manual. Da da da. The reality is, there really isn't a manual. Uh, Garmin themselves doesn't do a good job of explaining just what the watch can do. It does a lot, but they actually can't follow their own hardware and software innovation from a training and, and documentation perspective. So a lot of it is like, who can reach that consumer? Who can be perceived as that product? Most consumers don't have enough experience to really know which is the best for them, or to really even know what these products do. I mean, I think part of the situation is I've dedicated myself years ago to investing time in these devices and to know what they do and can't do. Most people haven't. Most people sort of wait for society to slowly educate them, or their friends to educate them, or just very slowly understand what these things can do. So it's gonna take a while, before like anyone on this call knows, when I get a smartwatch, it has to do these things. Right now, after eight years of the Apple Watch, finally people are more open-minded. But still, beyond the core functionality that comes out of the box, not a ton of people know what to do with these things.
2: So, I mean, the first smartwatch, was it 10, 10, 10-ish years ago? It would have been eight years ago. Was it eight years, was it was as soon as that. So, when the first quartz watches came on, because this kind of touches on why are we only interested in this now? How long did it take from the first quartz watch from Seiko to actually it becoming a crisis?
3: That's a good question. Was it
2: two years? Was it eight years? Is it just that we're about to see the crisis now? We all thought it would happen upon the release of the first Apple Watch, but actually it does take a wee while for it to get going.
3: There's a very different situation there. And to answer your question, it took about a decade. And, and, right. and remember this in the late 1960s like 1969 when the first quartz watches came out they weren't cheap they were very very expensive they were more expensive than traditional watches and so one of the benefits that traditional mechanical watches had at the time is they were less expensive they weren't as accurate but you know you knew the you knew the person that could fix them and you more or less understood how you know what to do with them and how to live with them and again they were they were considerably less expensive it took several years of miniaturization and figuring things out and being able to to um, use, you know, printed integrated circuits and things like that, for the cost to come down with Asian manufacturing. So, you know that would imply that today the smartwatch would be more expensive than the Rolex which it's not, right? So luxury watches have their status preserved with smartwatches coming in, whereas the quartz watch was luxury. You remember in the early 80s, it would proudly put quartz right on the dial of a lot of things to tell you like, this is a fancy thing. This isn't one of those spring-powered things. This is one of those fancy quartz things. And it was, you know, it was again it was, it was a status thing. You don't have that with smartwatches. So smart Smartwatches are not an existential threat to the practicality of luxury objects, but they are going to be another flavor. And I wrote in, I think, 2015 or 2016, how smartwatches would be the, the highway to luxury watches and then I sort of said that there would be these two wearing phases during the day you'd have your work or exercise phase your active phase where you wear your smartwatch more often than not and then you have this leisure phase maybe when you're socializing or relaxing where you're going to get uh, data fatigue it's just going to be too much for you you don't want the notifications you just want the basics like what freaking time it is and maybe a little bit more so I envision this this reality where people actually vacillate between smartwatch and traditional watch based upon what they're doing doing in their mood but i believe that these things can can live in tandem of course the smartwatch industry is going to be bigger but i don't think that's any surprise
2: but david as someone who takes off a smartwatch on a regular basis are you ever afraid that actually you know i'm just going to keep it on because actually i do like some of the stuff this tells me it's quite easy it's quite straightforward i don't need to baby it in the same way as the I don't know, 30 grand U.S. season
4: No, that. I'm not attached to it like that. I only use it for health monitoring and activity monitoring when, when working out and that's where it works really great, but and actually it's very comfortable, it has to be said to Apple's credit that the Apple watch is very comfortable so if, I, so if I end up, you know, just going to the city for whatever reason and I keep the watch on, then it still remains very comfortable, I don't I don't feel like, oh, I have to get this off of me as soon as possible. But it's not like I, I go there and say, this is the best watch ever so I have to wear it all of the time, uh, That that's yet to happen partly because i'm not that fascinated by the the exterior and the way that it works and that's why the ultra is big for me because i'm really fascinated by the way that it looks and the way that it's designed and i I like to have a watch on that i can look at not just to tell the time but to look at little details that fascinate me and uh, maybe the ultra will deliver that
2: finally why does the simple addition of a kind of patek philippe nautilus inspired you know Sticky out a bit for want of a better description and I think, uh, why is that the thing that is making everybody who would call themselves a watch journalist go, oh yeah, didn't like the one that was really sleek and slender and square but see this one with the sticky out a bit? might consider that one i
4: don't think it's just the sticky out of it i think it's it's, it's the way that the case is designed and it's not, not just the button that i can press which is of course always highly uh-huh. uh enticing but but also some some other stuff as well so it, it's the exterior it's the straps it's it's all that so that, that's what i'm looking forward to but yes the sticky out of it uh, you know it has me fascinated big time
2: <laughs> to to paraphrase you had me it's sticky out you it <laughs> Uh, anyway so one of the interesting things on this is the price of the ultra at 700 800 dollars right i think many people were expecting this to top the thousand dollar mark yep for the functionality that it has it does appear to come in cheaper than the garmin Sunto equivalent with the pricing policy of the ultra watch which does appear to be a couple of hundred dollars cheaper than the equivalent from their competitors, is this a sign of Apple doing something which they, they don't normally do? You know, they'll normally produce a new product and just price it whatever they like, knowing that the, the behemoth and folk will just buy it because they love Apple. This appears to be competitively priced to actually win a segment of the market from their competitors. Is that unusual? Is that
3: what's happening? It's very difficult to get in the head of Apple right now and understand what they're doing. From a cost of production standpoint, the Apple Watch Ultra shouldn't cost too much more. Slightly more materials, slightly larger battery, almost an inconsequential difference. These are not new materials that they haven't used. Titanium is something that they've introduced into the collection. I think it was last year or the year before that. So I, I don't think that it's, it's surprising. I do think that there is a strange area that they're trying to fall into. They're not trying to beat Garmin at its own game yet. And Garmin is a couple hundred dollars more for an equivalent product. So I think what they're trying to do is, is actually put it in the prosumer category. Whereas Garmin's trying to be the professional and the Apple Watch is the consumer. This really is supposed to be good enough for the professional, but mostly made for people that aren't. And so I think that 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 under $1,000 price point is important. And look, people are going to buy straps. They're going to buy services. Apple is becoming a subscription company more so than a hardware company. And so I think part of their strategy moving forward is actually going to be lower prices on some hardware in order to get you into the ecosystems.
2: Now, Ariel, you reviewed a Casio G-Shock in the past week, the G-Shock Universe, now, it is a much cheaper watch. It's obviously quartz, $140. But there are a number of G-Shocks that sit up in the $600, $700, $800 mark that have been released recently. Is it actually those kind of watches that do have a lot of personality? There's no doubt that one thing G-Shocks have, certainly for the geek watch consumer, is personality. Is that actually an area which should be a bit worried about the Ultra and Apple starting to develop a personality for their watches?
3: I don't think anyone should be worried. I mean, I think it's natural that this is going to happen. There's some information that I'm not sure how public it is, but for now, Casio has made the decision to not make smartwatches. So they have yeah. their Bluetooth-connected watches, they have their own software, but their Android-based smartwatch, there was a G-Shock you know, smartwatch, which is the recent one, that's Mm -hmm. something that they're going to be putting on hold right now. And they have good reasons behind it related to software and things like that. But actually I don't think this is an area which is getting that much bigger. I think what we're going to see is basically Garmin being the one to beat when it comes to sort of the professional watches. We know that Google is getting back into things with the pixel watch, which is going to be coming in the next few weeks. We'll, we'll learn more about that. It's unclear what Samsung's strategy is going to be right now, but You know, Samsung and the others are very much making those urban daily wear watches where Apple knows that it's the sport watch which sells. I mean, you don't need to be a genius. And You look at what's what sells well in the traditional watch market. It's it's sport watches, right? It's sport watches, sport watches, sport watches, not dress watches. It's sport watches. So if they want to follow the trend of consumer popularity, what are they going to do? Make sport style watches.
2: I simply don't understand Casio's strategy. As someone that's into watches, if Casio in a square G-Shock were able to produce something vaguely equivalent to the Apple Watch, I'd be buying the G-Shock all day long over over an Apple Watch. You know, it's Japan, it's the home of consumer electronics. Andrew, would you be more inclined to buy a G-Shock that was a full smartwatch than, than an Apple
0: Watch? I think they'd have to do something pretty impressive to deter me from going to the default Apple product. To be honest, mm-hmm. as as a, a fully fledged Apple fanboy with my membership card stamped up, <laughs> it's an ecosystem that I find very very easy to get into and use. And um, you know, I have Casios, and I have to every time I want to reset the time, I have to relearn the thing, and that would be one of the reasons that would put me off of. A Casio smartwatch because I feel like them adding more functions in a smartwatch would make it more complicated to use and not easier Which is mm-hmm. to the Apple Ultras credit My feeling is that oh, it's putting all of these features in my hands in a way that's going to be really easy to use So I, I actually find the appeal for me personally for Casio is the way they look so I, I'm a big fan of the Sun reflect series um, which has been mooted to be very hard to read. But I kind of don't care because it looks really cool. And so for me, I pitch Casio in the space by their own making. You know, They could make a really good smart watch and change my mind. But I, I pitch them in the space of affordable, kind of semi-custom in the sense that there are lots of different variations, fun fashion, where you go, oh, I like that. That looks great. I'm going to buy that. And I can treat myself to it because it's... It's less than $100.
2: I will wear a traditional watch along with the Apple Watch, one on each wrist. I wear my Apple Watch on my right wrist so that my left wrist, my traditional watch-wearing wrist, is always free. I I couldn't ever imagine wearing a G-Shock and an Apple Watch. I I just feel that they're missing out in pushing into this space that clearly, I mean, an enormous company, they must be capable of doing something. I I do wonder whether there's some Japanese niche etsy seller that is making g-shot cases that you can insert an apple watch into like sideways on in the same way that when the casio came out you got a kind of cottage industry producing steel bezels right up until the point that casio decided to do it themselves there's tons
3: of that there's tons of that.
2: So I I just don't get it. I don't get why the home of consumer electronics is not seen to be the lead on on doing
0: smartwatches. Look at how much the other tech companies have struggled to rival Apple in their smartwatch uh, outputs. Really, it's a tech business in the Silicon Valley sense, as opposed to the tech business in the kind of the, the Japanese consumer electronics sense. I would say. Mm. and so perhaps conservatively casio have determined that how how could we ever possibly compete with that and let's not even bother trying
2: yeah you're right it does appear to be just a why do a samsung why do a garmin or a whoever and bash our heads against a brick wall
3: casio cannot control the entire experience and if there's anything you know, and, and this is Apple's a perfect example of this, is to make it work well, they have to control the entire experience from the phone and its software to the watch and its software. And it's only because of that can the Apple Watch perform as well as it does. Casio is not going to suddenly create a whole new arm of his organization to write, you know, a, a smartwatch operating system. And there are a lot of issues with relying on, on Wear OS. It's very limited. There's a lot of issues it has. And so they haven't thrown in the towel because they can't compete in an industry that they want to be in, but they don't have a product. They, they, they're they like, this product is fine, but it's not as good as we want it to be. It's a lot of issues a lot of people like oh this thing crashes this thing crashes i mean that's i'm not i'm not saying that happens all the time but the point is the reliability is tied to software that isn't theirs your classic g-shock and all the systems that they do are i mean like they're bulletproof no one's you know no one's g-shock that's just their thing has a glitch it just never happens and so that's basically this google's promise saying that this Wear os is like use our software it's going to be the best for you that didn't really turn out uh, to be what google uh, had promised so that that's another interesting topic of course so it's
2: lack of control because casio is so used to being vertically integrated and being able to control the whole process giving away what is effectively the guts of a smartwatch is just something that they they can't afford to do or or just culturally is is foreign to them
3: well no one would do a better job i mean there are real limitations of what you can do with the software i haven't gone into it in deep deep no detail but Best case scenario, Tag Heuer, for example, or Casio, builds a software layer on top of a base layer. It has to run on top of it. It sometimes has to create redundant software, for example, like multiple fitness trackers or multiple software things to display the time. These things are never going to be have the priority in the operating system. There's going to be a lot of weird issues. It just it doesn't work as well as they want them to. There's certain things that consumers can't do, and I guess Google has incentive for leaving some of the software open and others not but at the end of the day casio can't make the smartwatch they want to using someone else's software
2: so to bring this uh, part of the conversation to a close is there anything that's likely to come along that will take the place of the apple watch I, i i do wonder whether an opportunity was missed with google glass and whether the only thing that could maybe persuade people to move away from the information being in their wrist would be the information being worn on their face
3: we're at the edge of technology we've gone as far as the current technology of batteries and screens and things like that thing go maybe we can squeeze that a little bit here but absent real disruptive innovation I don't have evidence of you know those optical devices working particularly well better there's all kinds of issues from signal interference battery life is really. What it comes down to is being as being the main issue, and until some of those things are sorted out, if they're ever sorted out, we're in a mode right now which is actually good because it means that hardware things will stabilize a little bit, and it will be mostly a game about writing better software, you know, designing better cases designing better, you know, watch face software and things like that, which is where the Europeans thrive, right? They know that they're not going to beat a software company at making better software, but they can make prettier looking interfaces than the other guy, right? They know that they can do that. They can make a great looking case or bracelet or, or some something with real sex appeal. So once there becomes more standardization and the software and hardware experience stabilizes a little bit, that's where some of the real visual innovation comes in that i think us on the call enjoy
2: andrew david any final comments are you are you you know dusting out the checkbook to go and buy one of these instantly
0: to bring this back to that quartz analogy the first quartz as as ariel said was incredibly expensive and really its development over that decade into becoming the technology was all about quality of life cost battery life usability And we're we're seeing similar things now with the Apple Watch, the always on screen, the ability to wirelessly charge it easily, longer lasting batteries. And so I I see over the next few years that it's the ability to add more functionality and better usability for an improved quality of life as opposed to an overall technological uh, development. I mean, you wait now, they'll they'll release something that completely proves me wrong. But I, I see it being a real focus on quality of life at the moment.
2: Does the Swiss watch industry need to start a campaign to get people more used to the idea of wearing two watches, a smartwatch and a Swiss watch? Do we expect Moser to come out with some sort of double wristing campaign? Because as more people buy these things, there eventually has to come a point whereby everybody's got one and that does become uh, a threat to any other watch sales because people just think it's stupid to wear two watches. So does somebody in Switzerland need to be persuading some megastar to become the trailblazer for wearing two watches? Other than me, of course.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's what Ariel said. It's it's, it's that, you know, no no one's obliged to wear these at the same time. You wear one in the evening or on special occasions, and the others uh, on a daily basis. So I don't think that they, these will force out or rule luxury watches out of people's lives. In fact, I think the effect that these have in bringing a new generation into becoming watch lover people, because they can experience the joys of wearing a watch and personalizing them, and so on, with you know changing dials easily and basically for free. I think the benefits that that yields are far greater. Now there's few people who say, ah, I'm not buying this $6,000 watch because I have a $400 watch in its place.
2: Good stuff. So go and check out the numerous articles on the website. You can see some hands-on and reviews of the latest from Apple. You can see some hands-on and the latest from all sorts of G-Shocks and the likes of the Tag Heuer and the Louis Vuitton. Let's uh, move on to two more sort of smart watches. So let's talk about another quartz watch, so to speak. This was a hands on from Sean, and this is, shall we say, at the other end of the spectrum. This is the Seiko Credor Aichi 2. Spring drive, so technically quartz. I, I, I don't know what to make of this. Uh, gentlemen, what is your experience with Credor as a brand? This is like the top end of Seiko, Grand Seiko, and then somewhere in the distance is Credor.
3: I've handled my share most of them have been in Japan David I think has also handled a few of them I mean they're similar to Grand Seiko it's really not about being more high end it's always just been a little bit different you know they like to segment different sort of styles and personalities it's extremely high quality it's about as high quality as you can get from Seiko but there's this you know there's this interesting trend and fervor around high end Seiko and uh, Creedor again is nothing new but eventually the focus was gonna shift on it and it'll be on it for a little while and then it'll shift on to something else
2: i mean i've seen a few of them in in real life i just think they look a bit odd it's like kind of uncanny valley they look like they should be sometimes i feel that if you don't look at them correctly you think it's like a plastic watch or a christmas cracker i'm sorry come at me Credor <laughs> fans and then if you really look at it, you're like yeah i yeah, know this is actually a real quality piece of kit i just almost think it is too simple looking for its own
0: good isn't that the Japanese way? The Japanese do very True. high quality in a way that at first glance kind of flies very much under the radar. And I suppose that's the real appeal of this watch in the same way that the watch that always gets brought up alongside this, the, the, the Philip Dufour simplicity, of course, with Philippe Dufour's involvement in setting up that Cradle Micro Artist Studio. But it, it's all about having something that is incredibly high quality that no one could ever possibly tell. I suppose the ownership appeal is in being able to explore something that you own that is built to the highest possible quality that, from more than a foot away, looks completely ordinary. If you hung one of these up at the market stall where they sell the other Seikos, people would walk on straight past it and no one would think anything of it. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, you have to get in close, you have to get in under magnification and then you truly appreciate it. And I think for the person who owns everything else already... That is the next niche, the next, that's the peak. If we're talking about the 80-20 rule here, this is the 101 rule. This is everything and more <laughs> in the most simple form possible. So it's it's its very own niche upon a niche upon a niche, and I can see why that doesn't appeal to everyone. So is it a luxury watch
2: if it doesn't communicate how expensive it is to everyone that's around you? Well, that depends what
0: your your definition of luxury is. If it's for other people to know how wealthy you are, then no. If it's to own the highest quality thing possible, then yes. And is this the top end, like in in the Japanese world, is this where? Is that where you go? I would say so. I would say so. Unless uh, Ariel, probably uh, better than anyone else, would be able to tell us about the even more niche higher-end Japanese brand. But for me, this this is the pinnacle of Japanese watchmaking.
3: Yeah, it's up there. And remember that in Japan, there's a lot of luxury watch buyers who are exclusively interested in European luxury watches. So it's a very special segment that likes really nice watches, but is also willing to get a Japanese nice watch. It's not always the case that everyone there likes those things. And so you have a very sort of niche within a niche. It's people that like watches, but as we said, not necessarily for the more common status symbols. These are people that really respect Japanese craftsmanship. And Japan is a place that as a country is obsessed with respecting good craftsmanship, whether it's the food or the buildings or architecture, everything is about craftsmanship and watches. So this is really a pinnacle of Japan's Celebration of their own interests in craftsmanship, and you have to be very steeped into that culture and that mindset to understand how this watch fits into that appreciation.
2: Okay, so if uh, the seven eight hundred dollar, although it's not quartz, Apple Watch, so there you go, it's not this is a quartz watch, whereas the Apple Watch isn't. <laughs> uh, if you're interested in the forty two thousand dollar. Uh, quartz watch from Credor, then go and check out the article on a blogtowatch.com. Now, we leave today, uh, and gentlemen, it's only just released, and we're gonna leave it to Ariel to talk about this. So, you'll need to go to the website to have a quick look. We will talk about another smart watch, or what is known as the Smart Ass Watch, and this is the Sequence Smart Watch collaboration with one of my favourite collaborators, Sikon Sikond. Uh, so if all this smartwatch chat has really just got you down, and you're like, I can't cope with this, and much like the poem at the beginning, you just feel that everything's just about weaponizing time, and you wish everyone would just leave you alone, then this is probably the watch for you. You need to go and look at the article for the dial. But basically, it's a watch with some messages on it. Much like those reminders you would get from your Apple Watch telling you you've got meetings, you need to do stuff. It basically says, "Shut up and push harder on it. Don't flatter yourself. Lots of notes to self, and some other stuff. I'm not going to read out. You have to go and check out the picture. What do we think of? Well, who are Sequent uh, to start off with, Ariel? You've obviously had a hands-on with this. Is is this as fun as it looks?
3: Yeah. So Sequent is a watch brand that started by a traditional watch designer and this is um you know he wanted to create a product that merged the two worlds and this is an interesting compromise between the two you have what looks sort of like a traditional watch there's no screen or anything like that it's a three-hand dial and there's an hour and minute hand and there's sort of a you know, a, a multi-purpose, you know, a semicircle that is really an activity meter. It can be used for certain other uh-huh. things, but it's really there to show you how much you've progressed on your activity level. So the point of the watch is to look like a traditional dress watch, but it also has an accelerometer and a heart rate monitor in it. Now, one of the interesting things that they tried to do here, and again, it might you might call it gimmicky, though it does help, is there's an automatic rotor in the back. And this automatic rotor um, doesn't wind a spring but it does generate some electricity and it helps recharge the battery. Now, can you just get on with the charge that the automatic rotor generates? No. Uh, You still need to put this watch on a charger, but the idea is you need to do it less because of that. And that's sort of a nice thing. And maybe if you go crazy and you're in the middle of nowhere and you spin your watch around dozens and dozens and dozens and thousands of times, (laughs) you'll, you'll, you'll charge it up. So, I think that it is an interesting concept that melds the two worlds. And yes, we'd all like to have a smartwatch that would be self-generating, that you could just wear it and it would power itself. And so that, from an imagination standpoint and a technical standpoint, is fascinating that they were able to do that. So this version was that sort of kind of joke version they do a second-second that I, I thought is charming that they even made it. It's a limited edition. It's really great for feedback. And it's, it's, it's a cool thing. Again, this isn't a tool watch in the sense that it's not there to solve a major consumer problem. This is for a particular type of individual who wants to put a foot sort of in both fields, the traditional watch field and the smart watch field. And it's really basically a, a dress watch with an activity monitor um, at, at its core. But I, I hope that was a, a good explanation.
2: Yeah, you need to go and check out the pictures it says all. Uh, tell me, do we know how far uh, a number of folk commented on the Apple various Apple reports about why can't this be solar charging? this watch obviously has a degree of charging from a rotor how far away from the amount of power that an apple watch consumes are we from either a rotor or a solar or a bit of both being like is it just my? is it just a stupid comment to think that you could ever have a solar powered apple watch are the, are the power used to just so far apart yeah. Or is it actually doable in any way, shape, or form?
3: Uh, with current technology, it is not doable. The amount of power used by a smartwatch far exceeds the relatively small amount of electricity that you can charge through a solar cell. I mean, an LCD-powered watch, I mean, we t- I talked about this years ago when I first started talking about the Apple Watch, uses a small fraction of electricity. And, you know, solar charging, as most people know, is... Fine, but it doesn't exactly charge, you know, things very quickly. It's a relatively slow system. So the short answer is, given our current ability to generate electricity and the power consumption these things have, we're, we're nowhere near to, to those two things meeting and being harmonious.
2: Uh, and in Scotland, it's always been a no-no, no no. No sun.
3: right, right, right.
0: So
2: Andrew, David, final thoughts on on this watch from second Second and and Sequent?
0: Uh, I I personally really like it. I've I've got the the NASA version sat on my desk at the moment actually, and I think what they've done here is very cleverly leverage the gamification aspect of the fitness apps that you get on things like an Apple Watch, where it utilises that sub dial both for charging but also for your goals. So throughout the day, you see the hand moving around further and further, and it encourages you to hit that mark and get that dopamine hit that we were talking about earlier. You're obsessed with dopamine, Andrew. I'm, Aren't I'm we all? Here. Oh, isn't, that the, <laughs> isn't that the only reason why we continue scratching around on this rock trying to survive? <laughs>
2: sounds like it yes it does it does very much indeed sound like it that is us for this week we hope you enjoyed our smartwatch chat of all variations would be very interested to hear what your particular choice is so check out the show notes on a friday leave us your comments or go to the various comment sections on the articles we've discussed and join in there andrew busy with watch finders ever busy with your own channel andrew morgan watches what can we expect this coming week i'm not on camera i've got my fingers to my temples and i'm trying to psychically engage with what might be coming up and i'm guessing rolex (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: Naughty boy. <laughs> so we've, we've looked at a few different things coming up. We're looking at the five coolest things about mechanical watches. So perhaps a little bit of a sweetener for all of those people who are thinking of ditching their mechanical watch to go Apple. Yeah. Um, to remind them about what they really love.
2: Yeah, so go and check out. That, that'll be good. You know, the antidote, this will be the antidote to this particular watch podcast will be Andrew's Watchfinder video. And what's coming up on your own channel? Um, oh, I have to switch things. <laughs> if only you had an Apple watch that you could look at that would just give you this information at the touch of a button.
0: <laughs> so I'm going to be looking at my uh, 10 favourite watches right now. A nice little listicle, a bit of a selfish view at the things that I like once over on my channel because that's that's the uh, the benefit i have of having my own channel i can tell people what i like exactly so go and check that out uh david ariel what have you got
3: coming up this week full of meetings definitely got a lot of interesting watches i'm writing about there's a particular no longer made of a birth year watch that i'm doing uh this week that'll be a very fun one to publish
2: and david i'm looking forward
4: to attending an omega event here at the local boutique tomorrow but actually uh it turns out that i Probably have the chance to go today to look at some new Omega watches and take pictures of them. They shared no information on what, you know, these novelties are or when the Amber goes over or whatever. So flying in the, in the, in the dark here for a moment. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that.
2: Definitely. Better not be an Omega Apple collaboration, or maybe it's a hundred meter water resistant Speedmaster with a helium escape valve or a pushy button at the side. <laughs> uh, we'll see. So yes, we look forward to hearing your Omega adventures this time next week. So do communicate with the show. Email us if you've got like some watch poetry like Richard from earlier on, or anything else you want to say. You can email podcasts at a blog to watch dot. Com. Uh you can get hold of me at, at Rick TikTok and Instagram. You can get hold of Ariel Where on Instagram. Ariel to
3: watch and of course my latest articles on a block to watch.com.
2: And David, the man with the
0: underscore.
2: Yes,
3: A B T
4: W underscore David, and of course a block to watch.com.
0: And Mr. Morgan. Uh yeah, I'm fighting around. Andrew Morgan watches, I'll get you there, whichever platform you're on.
2: Good stuff. Well, thank you for listening. Uh tune in again next week. Goodbye.
0: Bye everyone. Bye.
4: Bye everyone.